folks. Welcome back to Indaba Africa. This is Chris once again. Hello, folks, and welcome back to Chris White After here on the Indaba Broadcasting Network. It's time for Indaba African News of the Day today, June 1st, 2021. June 1st. Wow. Where has the time gone? It seems like just 30,000 years ago that we started this hysteria over a pandemic, one in which we saw the likes of big media tech giants censoring and deplatforming people for asking legitimate scientific questions or reporting actual genuine news or quoting the fraudulent officials who oversee us like Dr. Fauci. And for that, people get deplatformed and taken off from Instagram and WhatsApp. Well, not WhatsApp really so much, but Facebook and YouTube for sure. Having been a victim of this oppressive regime, I can attest to the fact that you don't violate their non-existent fictional rules and they take you down while allowing other actors to say the most vile and unbelievable things on their platforms and report disinformation on a daily basis, like government officials completely lying to citizenry around the world. Well, let's get to today's Indaba African News of the Day, the 1st of June, 2021. And here are the headlines, ladies and gentlemen. The African National Congress and the Economic Freedom Fighters failed to reach an agreement on how to best steal land legally. The expropriation without compensation amendment has expired the period to discuss this for these two to reach an agreement. They have begged, these charlatans have begged for a 30-day extension to give them 30 more days to use an oppressive legal system to discriminate against people based on their desire to steal from those who've lawfully obtained property. The South African Reserve Bank Governor Lesejo Kaganyako has entered the race mer merchants marketplace. He's entered their corner now with comments that are wholly inappropriate and race-based. Carol Patton opines and comments on the incalculable damage that has been done by the National Coronavirus Command Council and the African National Congress to South Africa's learners prevented from going to school for a second year. The learning damage done to South Africa's youth is incalculable, and Carol Patton, Carol Patton comments on that. Vali Mossa's climate change religion and the fairy tale message he's sharing with people about how to get South Africa's economy growing. <laughs> Easy answer. Turn the power on, ESCOM. Tabo Mbeki crawls out of his crypt to be more concerned about ANC careerists. Namibia's Council of Chiefs has rejected Berlin's idiotic reparations deal. And Botswana has halted imports of cloven-hoofed livestock and fresh meat from those livestock over foot and mouth disease outbreak in South Africa. Lieutenant General Kutumba Wamala survives a shooting or assassination attempt on the streets of Kampala. Unfortunately, his daughter and driver did not survive the shooting. 150 more children have been kidnapped in Niger state in the lawless Nigeria. Chad accuses the Central African Republic of raiding a border post and killing its soldiers. And Turkey, once again, has violated the sovereignty of another state, this time Kenya, in abducting someone to take back to Turkey. Gutter, or Gatar, charges a Kenyan national with spreading disinformation for using social media to report on his working conditions. The G7 seeks to harmonize state theft with global corporate tax rates. And the Department of State here in the United States, their practice of endorsing black supremacy is in the crosshairs of the Republican Party. 112 people shot in incidents across New York City in the lawless Big Apple in just the past nine days. 
and the International Space Station has been damaged by space debris. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the headlines for today, the 1st of June, 2021. Let's get in-depth analysis and commentary on these news events for the 1st of June, 2021. As I mentioned, the African National Congress and the Economic Freedom Fighters could not reach an agreement on what they want to be in the final part of the amendment for the expropriation without compensation to the to the Constitution. Now, let me explain this for those of you not familiar with South Africa. The government of South Africa has Section 25, which allows the government essentially the rights of eminent domain, which we have here in the United States, which allows the government to take land with just compensation when it's in the public interest. In other words, if your house has the misfortune of being a place where some state planners decide to build a highway and the state argues that this is critically important for economic development, they can steal your property here in America and give you what they consider to be fair compensation. It's called eminent domain. It has been abused time and time and time again in this country where we have constraints and institutions that are supposed to check this abuse of political power, but it happens here frequently. You have a similar situation in South Africa with a Section 25 of the Constitution, which allows for the government to expropriate with compensation. When it's in the public interest, the government can take land or property so that it can use it for the public interest. But the greedy, corrupt, venal, thieving politicians, the African National Congress, and their race-hating friends in the economic freedom fighters simply want to strip South Africans, especially minority South Africans, of anything that they have. Doesn't matter the fact that over half of South Africa's population was born after the end of apartheid. That really doesn't matter to these race merchants. All that matters to them is that your skin pigmentation makes you complicit in a crime that doesn't exist. And the fact that the world ignores the expropriation of that compensation, the United States continues to allow South Africa to participate in the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act, giving it duty-free entry into our marketplace, is a disgrace. The Manchurian cadaver and his administration, as well as the Trump administration, should be criticized heavily for their failure to punish South Africa. The African National Congress has violated the terms of the Africa Growth and Opportunity Act and therefore should not be eligible for duty-free exports to this country. Meanwhile, these two parties have failed to reach an agreement, and therefore, this thing is not going anywhere at the moment. Expropriation without compensation matter drags on amid ANC and EFF discussions. The committee seeks a 30-day extension as parties try to reach consensus on the proposed Section 25 amendment. The change to the Constitution is being driven by the ANC and EFF, and EFF, but the two parties have different on key aspects of the amendment, such as the role of the courts, compensation, and state ownership. Well, why would you need compensation if it's expropriation without compensation? That just sounds idiotic. However, indications are that the two parties are now not too far apart as discussions continue. Unfortunately for them, their time has run out. Their window has, ex has expired. But of course, the corrupt state under the angry, naughty children will no doubt find a way to extend the window to give these reprobate, thieving scumbags an opportunity to steal property from South Africans. And ladies and gentlemen, if you foolishly think that this is about skin pigmentation, you are wrong. This is political power. This is the state taking from individuals, stealing liberty, stealing property. And the property is not limited simply to land. That's where you've made a foolish mistake and you fall into the trap of buying into the fake media, the fake news from the fraudulent media in South Africa, who portray this as a land issue. It's not about land. Land will be a, the, one of the most significant things you see happen, but this will be used by the political party of the day if it becomes amended to the constitution in such a disgraceful, immoral fashion. It will be used to persecute political opponents. It will be used to silence anyone who deigns to speak out against criminal actions of a corrupt enterprise, known as the African National Congress or whatever party's ruling of the day. And then it will be used to silence you because they'll th simply threaten you. If you don't shut up, we'll take away your retirement account. We'll take away your bank accounts. We'll take away your job. 
We'll take away your cars. We'll take away any physical possession you have. Your jewelry, your furniture, anything you have can be taken under this idiocy by the state. The fact that the United Nations is silent on this shows you what a feckless, useless, scumbag leftist body the United Nations is. This should be front and center argument for the United Nations, which so cares about human rights. Apparently it doesn't. Speaking of race and race merchants, let's go on now to the governor of the South African Reserve Bank. Kanganyo calls for more black teachers at South African schools to give children pride. I'm sorry, I'm very confused. Are you only able to have pride if someone has the same pigmentation as you? I don't know, Dr. Martin Luther King always inspired me and he was a little bit darker complexion than me. Mahatma Gandhi always inspired me, a little bit darker complexion than me. In my early days as an office, I was inspired by General Colin Powell. Not so much these days, but certainly. He's got a bit darker complexion than me. Why do you feel the need only to be inspired by people who look like you? We're all homo sapiens. Stop your race merchant behavior. South African Reserve Bank governor calls for greater transformation at schools. In other words, oppression of minorities. South African schools that were reserved for white pupils during apartheid should recruit more black teachers, including more African languages, and change admissions criteria, according to the Reserve Bank Governor Lesetia Kanyango. Now, of course, his children went to pretty private schools. The comments, according to the Business Day, add to a growing debate about integrating more blacks into one of the world's most unequal societies. I, I really don't understand what more integration needs to happen in South Africa. The, there's no discussion of integration of white students into Eastern Cape schools or into KwaZulu-Natal schools that are exclusively Zulu or exclusively Kosa or exclusively Venda. There's no discussion of integrating white students there or Indians or coloreds, none whatsoever. Only of forcing white students and Indian and colored students to go to school with people other than themselves. If you're going to have this discussion, you need to be honest about the discussion across the board. But let's hear what else he has to say. He said, the school has got cons consciously go out and look for black teachers to give our children pride to actually look and know that there are black people who are excelling in education. <laughs> he told ENCN Monday. Now, this is ironic coming from a political party, a political party that abhors educating black South Africans, that has limited money for education and wasted billions, trillions of rand on other things like unnecessary arms deals, mansions for former presidents, selling off the strategic oil reserve, patronage machines like state-owned enterprises, Transnet, Airports Company, South Africa, ESCOM, South African Airways. Yes, yeah, really. You've pissed away trillions of rand, billions of dollars, hundreds of billions of dollars that could have been spent on education instead of allowing children to die in pit latrines and textbooks not to be delivered to Eastern Cape schools where black children go to school. This is hypocrisy of the highest form. This man is incredibly wealthy. His children attend ritzy private schools. And because his children are a minority in ritzy private schools, because only the wealthy black South Africans put their kids there, he thinks it's appropriate that the school should dumb down its standards and it should increase the number of people who are of a different skin hue because I guess that would make his children feel better. Well, send your children to Kaisheta in the Cape Flats to a school out there, Mr. South African Governor. Reserve Bank Governor, or if you live in Pretoria eh, or Hauteng, send your kids to Alexandria to a school or Soweto. 
and not some ritzy school and complain about it. In recent years, anti-racism protest schools have been driven by non-inclusive dress codes about natural hair and wearing religious symbols. In 2020, reports emerged that invitations to a private gathering for Cape Town schools, final year students, have been extended to white pupils. That's a false lie. This was talking about Brockenfeld. Once again, the media is shameful on the part of Business Day for perpetuating that lie. The invitations were sent out across the board. Primarily only white students went because the black students didn't want to attend for the most part. There weren't many black students there. It's mostly colored students and not black students at that school. So that's a lie. And this whole discussion about uh, non-inclusive dress codes and natural hair is a distortion about hair and grooming standard policies. That's a distortion. Yes, these rules are there and sometimes they were inappropriate and uh, bigoted in some respects. But this is a broad statement that is not rooted in fact, but a disgraceful misrepresentation of the story taking place in South Africa, as it is around the world. South Africa spends 14% of its budget on primary and secondary education at government schools, more than any other expenditure item. However, the persistent poor quality of education in historically disadvantaged communities that serve the majority of its children continues to weigh on outcomes and in a country that almost a third of the workforce is unemployed. South Africa's quality of schooling was ranked 114th out of 137 countries by the World Economic Forum in 2017. These, this information is not germane. The topic here is this incredibly wealthy, privileged, elite black man complaining about private schools. And this story in Business Day distorting the discussion about public education and private education. You see how dishonest the media are, folks? Do you see how they lie to you? Do you see how they distort the truth? This is public versus private. I never went to private schools. I grew up poor, went to public schools. Am I envious or do I begrudge that people went there? No, I really don't give a flip. And I didn't give a flip at the time. I just expected a decent public school education and I got a decent one, not overwhelming, but it was good enough. And I learned on my own afterwards and taught myself and went through education, tertiary education throughout my adult life. Stop distorting the narrative. You see this, this, who's the author of this article? The author of this article is uh, Pranisha Naidu. Well, Pranisha Naidu, you've distorted the story with this misleading article, and that's a disgraceful thing. Carol Payton has a comment about what's been happening in South Africa schools. She says that it's tragic the great majority of South African children are not back in school full-time. Most of us who are comfortably middle-class will be unaware of the damage that's being done with suburban public and private schools having long negotiated their way around the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, Carol, perhaps for you, middle class and, and others may be disconnected, but many of us are not disconnected and have been pointing this out since March of 2021 when South Africa went in lockdown, that this would destroy the educational opportunity and retard the mental development and the learning capacity of children, especially those who are primary school, starting out learning to read, learning to do mathematics, all at that age. You are retarding their development, keeping them away from school. Why? on a false premise, on unscientific decisions that aren't related to reality. And I can't say more because censorship is real in this platform. Other channels like Bloomberg and anyone else who's got all these hundreds of thousands of subscribers can say whatever the hell they want on this platform, but I can't because I'll be censored. So all I can say about that is it's unscientific, this decision by the National Coronavirus Command Council to keep kids out of school. And that's all I can say. And Carol Payton, um, I appreciate where you're coming from. It's nice you draw attention to this, but I've been drawing attention to this phenomenon since March of 2020 over and over and over and over again. It's nice to see the media finally wake up to reality 18 months later. But thank you for your op-ed nonetheless, Carol Payton. It's an important one. Moving forward to renewable energy will boost economic growth, Valley Musa says. We are an energy short country, says the deputy chair of the Presidential Climate Change Coordinating Commission. Replacing South Africa's aging and inadequate electricity generation capacity with renewable energy plants is an opportunity to spur economic growth and cut emissions, the effective head of Presidential Climate Change Commission said. 
We are an energy short country. That's our opportunity, and that hole is only going to be filled by renewables, he said. There's no shortage of appetite on the part of capital to invest in renewable energy in South Africa. Well, here's a little news flash for you, Musa. South Africa simply needs electricity. It doesn't mean renewable electricity. It simply needs electricity. Spin off ESCOM, allow private sector competition, and allow them to build power plants. And if you want to put emission standards in place, then put emission standards in place. But don't attack the coal industry. South Africa has massive coal reserves and it produces most of its electricity from coal. Instead of this foolish fool's errand to chasing after renewable energy on expensive white elephant projects that fail to deliver, how about you focus on energy in general and not simply your climate change religion, Mr. Musa? You are mistaken. If South Africa's existing coal-fired power plants could simply deliver their capacity when they are supposed to right now, there would be no rolling blackouts. There would be no load shedding. There would be no dumping of the grid at all. And if there were any strategic vision whatsoever in ESCOM, then South Africa would have been building renewable plants 20 years ago. 20 years ago. Yes, the technology was not nearly as advanced then for wind and solar photovoltaic or solar thermal, that's concentrated solar power, as it is today, or for that matter, wave. But you would have had the experience, you would have had it as part of the grid, you could have brought newer and better technologies on. But no, ESCOM is a corrupt venal patrons machine which deprives and destroys lives in South Africa. Your economic growth is a consequence or your retardation of your growth is a consequence of the feckless, corrupt, thieving leadership of the African National Congress and of parastatals that are nothing more than patriots machines where people can park their favored friends and let them collect salaries for screwing up the country. Renewable energy is not your answer, South Africa. It can be part of an energy mix, but it is not your answer. Coal-fired power plants are the answer. Get them up, get them running, and get the criminals out of ESCOM. And let South Africans come back who are qualified, white, black, and brown, to be engineers at ESCOM not just people picked based on their skin pigmentation who are not qualified. Tabo Mbeki crawls out of his crypt to bemoan the prevalence of careers in the African National Congress. Well, welcome back to the stage, my dear fellow. Former President Tabo Mbeki says ANC did not have a good story to tell, which is why he could not campaign for the party until 2019. Addressing the Eastern Cape's ANC Extended Provincial Executive Committee meeting in East London yesterday, said the reason it was possible in 2019 to say that this time I'll speak out to say, please, let's vote for the ANC, was because of what the manifesto said. It did not say, we've got a good story to tell. It said, we've made mistakes, we've done things wrong. Remember that manifesto? The title was, Let Us Grow South Africa Together. But it pointed out the mistakes. You see there is corruption, serious ethical problems, state institutions not delivering to the people, and we, the ANC, make a commitment that we're going to grow South Africa with you, and therefore make a commitment to correct the wrongs that we that allowed to happen. Well, here's the thing, Tabo and Becky. No wrongs have been corrected. No major corrupt officials have gone to prison or even been tried. The only people have been small fries, and, and the only time they've gone after corrupt people, by and large, has been mostly minority South Africans who are involved in corruption. Mm -hmm. The VBS bank scandal, who's in prison over that? Well, a white bank manager, almost nobody else. The rest of it just drags on and on and on and on and on and on. Yeah, no, the ANC is not credible as a political party, as a organization, as a governing party of South Africa. There's no credibility left in that corrupt venal enterprise. And Tabo Mbeki, you coming out to lend your little bit of credibility you have left is unfortunate. If anything, you should be castigating the African National Congress and Cyril Ramaphosa for their lack of vigor in prosecuting crimes. Yes, I know that Zuma finally appeared before trial, but that's 25 years late. 25 years late. Should have been done two decades ago. 
and state capture never should have become part of it. The hiring of Bell Pottinger, ridiculous. Dividing the country on race to suit the Guptas and Zuma, unbelievable. That's a crime in and of itself that should be prosecuted. Unbelievable stuff. The Council of Chiefs in Namibia has condemned the German offer at reparations. And I too condemn it. First off, the German, the Federal Republic of Germany, the Bundesrepublik Deutschland, bears no responsibility, zero responsibility for the actions of people over a century ago. No more responsibility than the Herero who murdered 343 Germans to initiate the conflict, attacking ranches and farms and murdering people in their homes. The Herero bear no responsibility for that today. The genocide that took place, which was led by the German Schutztruppe, the colonial forces in Namibia, was real. It's genuine. And the people to atone for it would have been the German Empire, which doesn't exist. Then came the Weimar Republic. Doesn't exist. The National Socialist Regime of Nazi Germany. Doesn't exist. The Bundesrepublik Deutschland was formed in 1949 from the rump state that was Germany. And it is partially reconstructed with the provinces of what were known as East Germany or the DDR, the Deutsche Demokratische Republik, which was not democratic and not a republic, but a communist state. But Germany is not whole. Silesia, Pomerania, Ostpreußen, Schlesien, Pommern, Ostpreußen are not part of Germany. They're now part of Russia or they're part of Poland. Those historic German territories have not come back. So to hold the modern rump state of the Bundesrepublik of Germany responsible for the actions of people 120 years ago, nearly 120 years ago, is ludicrous. The Germans have poured billions of dollars of aid and assistance into, plus security assistance, into Namibia since 1990. If the German government wishes to make an apology on behalf of the scoundrels who did this 120 years ago, that's one thing. But holding Germans and non-Germans who live in Germany responsible for paying off Namibians who have nothing to do with what happened then is ludicrous. It's a war. The Herreros started the war. They were complicit. And the Nama joined them as allies. And they paid a price. A brutal, inappropriate price. But they paid a price. That should be recognized. And frankly, the skulls of Herrero dead that are on display in German museums, that's, that's ghoulish. Those things should have been long ago returned. Absolutely. But reparations is ludicrous. There's no legal legitimate basis for this whatsoever. How about reparations to the Germans who were murdered? the descendants of those whose family members were murdered by the Naman Herrero. No, because it's not appropriate. It's silly. It is absolutely ridiculous. Do I get reparations for the English enslaving my Irish ancestors and shipping to the Caribbean? No. Do the Icelanders get reparations from the Barbary pirates' descendants in Algeria for stealing their women and children and the Icelanders and shipping them to North Africa to sell as sex slaves and concubines? No. It's ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous. This sense of collective guilt flies in the face of modern liberal ideology, political ideology. It's stupid and is not worth the time of day. But they do have a point. It is insulting to offer 1.3 billion euros over 30 years. That's a joke. It shows the Germans aren't serious about this. And also the fact that the Namibian government and the German government excluded the Herero and the Nama from the conversations, as well as the descendants of ethnic Germans who survived, shows you just how illegitimate this whole conversation was with Germans and reparations. Namibia chiefs reject insulting German aid over offer over colonial killings. 
The Council of Chiefs, a body representing the Herrera and Nama people, have rejected an offer to fund infrastructure projects in Namibia as a means of apologizing for the genocide during Germany's colonial rule. Again, Germany did not have colonial rule. The German Empire did, an entity that no longer exists. The group of ethnic leaders in Namibia on Monday rejected the deal proposed by Germany that recognized the colonial occupation of the country amounted to genocide. Okay, well, that's first off Horstmanor. The German colonial occupation was an occupation. It was a settlement. It was a German colony. And the entire period was not genocide. The period from 1904 to 1908 included a window of genocide that took place as a consequence of the Herero and Nama initiating a war and the reprehensible actions of the German Schutztruppe endorsed by Berlin. But the Germans made it a colony in 1885. From 1885 to 1904, there weren't atrocities. This is just a lie. And from 1908 to 1915, when they lost control to South African troops, Commonwealth troops, it was not a genocide. So this is a very dishonest article from Deutsche Welle. Shame on you. But of course, Deutsche Welle is a state-owned propaganda outlet, so not surprising that they get the facts wrong. Last week, the German government acknowledged that those massacres were genocide and pledged 1.1 billion euros, or $1.3 billion, in financial aid over a 30-year period for infrastructure, healthcare, and training projects. Well, that is reprehensible on all fronts. In neighboring Botswana, the government has now banned the import of cloven-hoofed animals and fresh meat from those animals over an outbreak of foot and mouth disease in South Africa. Botswana said money had banned imports of cloven-hoofed animals and their fresh products from South Africa after an outbreak of foot and mouth disease was detected in the neighboring Southern African country. The Ministry of Agriculture said it would no longer import live animals, their fresh products, as well as veldgras, bedding and manure-contaminated products and vehicles from its southern neighbor to protect its lucrative cattle industry. Botswana is one of the largest beef exporters to the European Union, but has often suspended sales in the past due to foot and mouth disease outbreaks from its neighboring countries. Beef exports amounted to $61 million in 2019, according to Botswana's Central bank data. The disease, which caused lesions and lameness in infected animals, was detected in KwaZulu-Natal last week after local veterinary officials noticed cattle showing suspicious lesions. Foot and mouth disease does not affect humans, but pose a threat to cloven-hoofed animals such as cattle, sheep, and goats. Well, poultry imports suspended from South Africa, now cloven-hoofed imports from South Africa. Namibia will likely follow suit with this, as possibly even Zimbabwe. Of course, Zimbabwe is a major source of foot and mouth disease. In Uganda, former head of the, the Uganda People's Defense Forces, that's Lieutenant General um, Katumba Wamala, was an attempted assassination or a robbery or something that happened to him. And it's horrific. His daughter and the driver were killed, but he did survive despite being shot in the arm. And uh, he has survived. Now, I know uh, General Wamala personally worked with him when I was in Uganda, and he's a very professional officer. And this is a very horrific situation. I have to wonder who's behind this. Katumba Wamala shooting Uganda minister's daughter killed. There are at least seven bullet holes in the window of his vehicle. Gunmen attacked and wounded Uganda's transport minister and former Army Commander General Katumba Wamala, killing his daughter and driver. Witnesses say men on motorbikes or bodabotas fired several shots at their vehicle near their home in Kampala. The Army says phone calls potentially linking to the planned assassination attempt have been investigated. Soldiers are guarding the hospital where he is being treated for non-life-threatening injuries. He's regarded as one of Uganda's most respected politicians and military men. Tempest's life comes after a sh as a shock although such attacks are not rare. In a series of tweets, President Yovari Museveni said there are already clues that could lead to the killers whom he described as pigs and terrorists. It's not clear what the motive for the attempted killing was. General Mamal was previously police chief as well as formerly heading the army. At the time of Tuesday's attack, he was traveling an army vehicle that was sprayed with bullets from the sides and front. His daughter, Brenda Wamala, and his driver, Haruna Kayondo, did not survive. 
Video footage of the scene in Kiyosasi, it's a, a leafy neighborhood in Kampala, shows the former army chief visibly shaken and covered in blood being rushed to hospital on the back of a motorbike. Terrific stuff, folks. As I said, I know General Wamala. He was very professional. He is an honest uh, official as far as I know. I've never seen him do anything inappropriate. And uh, it's just it's horrific, this sort of situation, this lawlessness that can happen in many places around the world. It's not just, uh, as you'll see shortly, we'll talk about New York, it's not just in Africa. This is from The Guardian, uh, who shared this from social media. This is General Wamala at the hospital. All my children, I will be fine. I will survive, you have lost brain. That's good plan. So I have nothing, to do nothing to this world, but the bad guys are bad. God has given me second chance. Amen. Amen. Don't worry, I don't have bad injuries, mm. only the arms, but I'll be fine. Okay. I'm with the doctors, and the doctors have done everything possible. I love you guys. One can certainly understand frustration with um, Uganda's politicians and with Yuvari Museveni. But General Mala is an honest man who has uh, led effectively both the police and the military and now serves as government minister. This is a shocking development. One can only wonder, is it personal? Is it political? Was he targeted because it was an army vehicle? Who knows? It will be interesting to see what plays out in Uganda. Uh, there is a very serious situation here with this attempted assassination on General Wamala. Was it even an assassination or simply an attempted theft? We don't know at this hour. But he's alive. Unfortunately, his daughter has been murdered by these thugs and the driver as well. Best wishes and thoughts and prayers to General Wamala and his family. More than 150 children missing in the latest Nigeria kidnapping raid. Students from an Islamic school in the north-central Nigerian state of Niger were indiscriminately shot and abducted Sunday by a group of armed bandits according to state police. At least one person was confirmed dead in the latest string of school kidnapping raids in the country of the scene this year. Yaro Al-Hassan, the Salihu Tanko Islamic School's headmaster, told CNN the exact number of students abducted from the school remains unclear, but said that more than 150 may missing or unaccounted for. We don't pay ransom to abductors. We're trying to negotiate to see how we can bring them back safely. In response to the incessant attacks, Ketso said the government has temporarily changed all schools in the Tugina region to day schools, and made sure every primary and secondary school has a team that can respond quickly to security issues. Well, apparently that's not effective at this school, as in more 150 additional students have been kidnapped. This is reprehensible, folks. Nigeria is descending into utter chaos and lawlessness across the country, in the Delta, even in Abuja, and in the northern states of Nigeria. In Chad, according to the Chad's government, of course, you know, recently President Debe was killed in a confrontation with rebels, and his son has been appointed as the head of the country. But in Chad, they're now accusing neighboring Central African Republic of attacking a border post and killing Chadian soldiers. Chad accused the Central African Republic of killing six of its soldiers. Five other troops were injured in an attack on an outpost in Saru in the country's south, according to their foreign minister. Central African Armed Forces attacked the outpost of Saru in Chad on Sunday, killed a Chad soldier, injured five, and kidnapped five others who were then executed in Mumbang on the Central African Republic side, Chad's foreign minister said in a statement. The identity of the alleged Central African Republic rebels is yet to be confirmed, but a senior Chad security official told the Agence France Presse news agency, speaking on condition of anonymity, that the rebels were members of Unity for Peace in Central Africa. How ironic is that? You kidnap and murder soldiers guarding a border post, and you call yourself Unity for Peace in Central Africa? It's one of the car's most powerful armed groups, which is part of a coalition seeking to top of the government of Tordera. The Suru outpost near the village of Mbera, which is manned by 12 soldiers, was attacked at dawn. This war crime is extremely serious, and this deadly attack, which was premeditated, planned, operated from inside Chad for reasons unknown only 
for it is known only by the Central African government will not go unpunished. So this is a bit confusing. The rebels who are against the government of Central African Republic, yet Chad has blamed the government of Central African Republic for the attack and says they're not going to tolerate it. Will this lead to a conflict between Chad and the Central African Republic or an invasion similar to Israel invading the Bekaa Valley in the early 1980s over Katushka rock attacks into the northern parts of Israel? Will it be something similar in Chad and the Central African Republic? We'll see. A 37-year-old president now sits on the throne of the Chadian government, unelected, appointed two-star general from the forces, succeeding his father unconstitutionally. Does he have the wherewithal and the patience to deal with this diplomatically, or will he resort to conflict? We will see sometime soon. Turkey has once again violated state sovereignty. This time it's Kenya, where they've abducted someone to go back to Kenya, to, to back to Turkey. Turkish secret agents snatch Fethullah Hulan's nephew in Kenya. Of course, Fethullah Hulan is here in the United States. Selatin Gulen, a nephew of U.S.-based Muslim cleric Fethullah Hulan, by the way, he's in Pennsylvania, stands between Turkish flags and this photograph by Turkish intelligence from Monday the 31st of May in Ankara. Turkish spies have snatched in Kenya the nephew of a longtime foe of President Erdogan and brought him back to Turkey. Ankara accuses U.S.-based Muslim preacher Fethullah Gulen of masterminding a failed coup in 2016 that left hundreds dead and thousands more injured. Since 2016, Turkey's arrested tens of thousands of people with suspected links to Gulen. Salila Gulen is accused of belonging to the FETO terrorist organization, the description used by Ankara for Fethullah Gulen's movement. We will soon announce the capture of a very important FETO member. He is in our hands, Erdogan said on May 19th, a likely reference to Salahuddin. The preacher who lives in Pennsylvania insists he is the head of a peaceful network of charities and companies and denies any links to the 2016 coup. Well, what I have to say about the 2016 coup is it was a fake coup orchestrated by the government of Erdogan to allow it to amass unprecedented political power and control. They locked up tens of thousands of military officers, journalists, lawyers, corporate leaders, educators, anyone with a voice to speak out against Erdogan was arrested. Many remain in prison to this day, five years, nearly five years after this fake coup that took place. A very odd sort of coup that supposedly took place when he was in Germany, Erdogan. Gadar is charged Kenyan national over spreading disinformation. Malcolm Bedali, a Kenyan security guard, blogged about life as a migrant worker, was arrested back on May 5th, only now coming to people's attention. The 28-year-old Malcolm Bedali, who works as a security guard, was arrested from his accommodation May 5th and placed under investigation for violating Gutter's security laws and regulations. On Saturday, the Gutter Communication Office uh, confirmed that he was formally charged with offenses related to payments received by a foreign agent for the creation and distribution of disinformation within the state of Gutter. Following a thorough investigation by authorities, the case of Mr. Malcolm Bedali has been transferred to the public prosecution. He's receiving legal aid and representation ahead of the court date, which has not yet been set. Blogging under pseudonym Noah, Bedali wrote about labor rights issues, including long working hours, issues the wages, work conditions, unsuitable combination and conditions at his workplace. Just days before his arrest, he, he made an online presentation to civil society groups on the state of migrant workers and got her giving his experience working as security guard there. Did the things he say, are they wrong? Are they factually incorrect? Is, 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 that, is that the argument? So... Migrant workers are treated generously and fairly in gutter? If they are, that'd be the first time I've ever heard that story. Interesting. And the group of seven economic nations, powers, the largest economies in the globe, seek to set a global corporate tax rate. So they want to endorse the ability of all states to steal equally 
from corporations and from workers. Oh, and look, the Manchurian cadaver is the one that's here on the photo. This is a Reuters story. G7 to back minimum global corporate tax and support economy. Finance ministers from the group of seven rich nations will vow this week to support their economies as they emerge from the pandemic and reach an ambitious deal on a minimum global corporate tax in July, a draft communique said. G7 officials set to meet in London on June 4th, 5th will also say that once recovery is well established, they need to ensure long-term sustainability of public finances, which is understood to be code for gradual withdrawal of stimulus. Of course, the G7 is the United States, Japan, Britain, Germany, France, Italy, and Canada. This is not good for Canada. It's not good for other states like Malta that set their corporate tax rates advantageous so that corporations will set up there, making them more competitive when they lack the labor force of the sophisticated technology, but they allow the conditions of corporate tax rates. The United States, which famously had the second highest corporate tax rate in the world behind Japan, which has a crippling corporate tax rate, as the United States at 35% of all corporate income, which encouraged cheating and the use of attorneys and lawyers and accountants to avoid taxation, and led to the offshoring of trillions of dollars of wealth by these companies, was famously lowered by President Donald Trump to a more reasonable level, still far in excess, over twice as high as what you can get the lowest rate in Canada, 12% in a few provinces in Canada, because they don't attack on provincial tax, but the national tax is just 12% now for corporations. That made Canada very competitive and attractive for investors. But this lunacy of international governance should not be tolerated. We live in a Westphalian system of states established after the Peace of Westphalia in 1648. States have the right to set their own taxation rates. Telling South Africans that they must have a 35% tax rate for corporations and telling Luxembourg they must have a 35% tax rate is comical. Officials in Luxembourg, by and large, are not corrupt. They're not captured. They deliver effective governance, and they do so at a far lower rate than that. Why should they have their citizens suffer because people in other countries need to steal the money or use it inefficiently. The United States, the Manchurian cadaver has proposed a $6 trillion budget. That is astounding, $6 trillion. The federal government doesn't take even anywhere near that amount of money, despite the fact they fleece us in personal income tax and they fleece us in corporate tax, double and triple taxing the same services and products for citizens over and over again. The Republican Party now has its sights set on the repulsive behavior of the Department of State which has been endorsing black supremacy. Here you see a photograph of the U.S. Embassy in Bosnia-Herzegovina with the race merchant group Black Lives Matter who advocate for black supremacy hanging from a government building abroad in a disgraceful display. So the Republican lawmakers introduced a proposal to prohibit U.S. Embassy consulates from flying political flags. And of course they should be prohibited from flying political flags. That's disgraceful. Any political flag. You shouldn't be flying a Klan flag. You shouldn't be flying a Black Lives Matter flag. Called the Stars and Stripes Act of 2021, the measure was introduced by Representative Nicole Malitakis of New York, co-sponsored by a number of Republican members of Congress, including new Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik. Our beautiful American flag should fly over our embassies around the world, not the flag of political organization founded by Marxists, Stefanik said in a statement referring to the reported links between BLM founders and Marxists. There's no reported leaks. They admit to being Marxist. <laughs> the so-called co-founder owns four homes in Los Angeles and says she's an avowed Marxist. There's no reported links here. A number of U.S. embassy consuls flew the black supremacy BLM flag on May 25th, the anniversary of George Floyd's death, following authorization from Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. The International Space Station has been hit by space junk, by debris in space. And you see that yellow circle there in that image from the CNN site with Ashley Strickland sharing this. A robotic arm located outside the International Space Station has been hit by orbital debris, but it's still functioning. 
The impact uh, to the Canada Arm 2 was first noticed by NASA and the Canadian Space Agency during a routine inspection back on May 12th. It punched a hole in the arm, boom, and its thermal blanket. Despite the impact, results of the ongoing analysis indicate the arm's performance remains unaffected. While the exact object responsible is unknown, the space station is at risk of impact from objects too small to be tracked as it orbits Earth from 220 nautical miles. These tiny objects could be pieces of rock, micrometeorites, dust particles, even flecks of paint that chip off of satellites. About 23,000 objects about the size of a softball or larger are constantly tracked in space to ensure they don't collide with satellites or the space station. Folks, those are the headlines for today, the 1st of June, 2021, with in-depth analysis and commentary. Thank you for your support for the channel. And uh, for those of you sticking around, we'll, we'll, we'll hang around in just a moment. We'll get on to the rest of the stream. But that's Indaba African News of the Day for today, the 1st of June, 2021. Thank you for your support. God bless and have a safe and productive day out there, ladies and gentlemen.